Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey there. Thanks for joining in for another episode. Before we get into today's topic, if you haven't yet done so, be sure that you hit that follow button on whatever platform you are listening to this show on so that you never miss a future episode. And also do me a favor and share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers. I'd love for you to tell some others to check it out. Now, today's show happens to be part two of my Navigating and Accelerating Your Career discussion. You may have already heard part one of this chat, But if you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and check that one out. It released just a few episodes before this show, and there is also a link in the show notes of today's episode, so you can easily find it and go have a listen. You've heard me say before that I'm on a mission to help you get stuff done and make things happen. Well, that's true when it comes to business, when it comes to life, and most certainly when it comes to your career. That's why I wanted to do a few episodes devoted specifically to helping you to navigate, elevate, and accelerate your career progression. If you missed part one, I talked about some of the choices that I made early in my career to be able to be in senior leadership in a Fortune 50 company in my 20s. My peers were in their 40s and 50s, sometimes 60s, so I must have been doing something right, making good choices, and moving the ball. So what we are going to do on today's show is a continuation of that part one discussion. Where I left things off last time, I was talking about the importance of getting mentors and having the right mix of mentors. I also went into the role of a mentor and said that on this episode, on part two, I was going to talk about the difference between mentors and champions. Before I get into that, there is another point that I wanted to make. On part one, I shared that early in my career, I understood the importance of owning my game. In the career context, it meant fully taking charge and command of my career progression, starting with getting clarity on where I wanted to go, figuring out what assignments and what positions would be helpful to building the experiences and skill sets that aligned with my career goals and all of those things. That ownership is so important. I said this last time too, you need to be that quarterback that is moving the ball forward. I mean, that's one of the basic principles in my Move the Ball book is taking command, taking charge, driving that forward ball movement. And when it comes to your career, don't think that someone else is going to be looking out for your career progression. Yes, there can be some people that support and try to help, but at the end of the day, it really falls on you. That brings me to the first point that I wanted to highlight today. It's the concept of owning your role. This ties into owning your game, but what owning your role means is fully embracing every single position you have, whether it's one that you really love or not. It's making it work for you to help you achieve your career objectives. So you've got a scope of responsibility, your job description, the things that you are responsible for. You need to own that and be the person that is going to bring value every single day in that position. 
But also you need to look at how you can shape that role so that you can continue to gain other experiences while you're in that job that are relevant and significant to where you are looking to go in the next step in your career. And you have to also be thinking a few steps ahead. In part one, I talked about being clear on your career goals. It's not just a matter of knowing what types of jobs you want. You need to identify what are the skills, the requirements, the experience that you need to be ready for those roles. Then what you do is you need to figure out how can you do things in your current assignment that would help you gain that experience. So own the role, make it yours, and see how you can shape it into working on tasks that help you with your career plan. And also, this is key to also bring value to the organization. Owning your role also means keeping your ego in check and focusing on what the team needs you for, this specific task or duty. There's a chapter in my Move the Ball book, by the way. It's called Keep Your Ego in Check. And if you have a copy of Move the Ball, maybe it's worth another read. This is important for many reasons, including the scenario when we are in a job that we think isn't always utilizing all the skills that we want to be using. But sometimes you got to do what the organization needs you to do. And by bringing value in that capacity, if you're knocking it out of the park, you're going to get noticed and other opportunities will come. Remember what I said last time about it's very important that other people know who you are. By owning your role and outshining, even if it's not in a position that you love, doors will open. And when the time is right, you'll be able to move into a different job. Recently, I had an awesome guest on this podcast by the name of Nathan Whitaker. Like me, Nathan is an attorney and he's also a best-selling author. In fact, Nathan is an eight times New York Times best-selling author and he has co-written many books with Tony Dungy as well as written books with Tim Tebow and James Brown. Nathan was also in the front office with some NFL teams, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they won their Super Bowl after the 2002 season. Now, Nathan and I have a great chat on our show where we also discuss this concept of owning your role. And we talk about other topics too regarding navigating your career. So if you haven't listened to that one, I'd suggest you go check it out and hear Nathan's perspectives on owning your role, as well as some other things that we talk about tied to your career in that episode. Now, Let's go back to the mentor and champion topic. As I mentioned in part one, one of the things that was very helpful early in my career was getting connected with some awesome mentors who were senior leaders in my organization. If you haven't already done this, make sure that you take an action to get some mentors in your playbook. And I'll say this, just like I said on the other episode, the role of a mentor is not to help you find a job. They are there to give you counsel and advice on different issues and can guide you on their perspectives when it comes to your career progression. But they are not the ones that you're going to go to asking to help you get a job. Now let's talk about champions. Champions, on the other hand, are senior leaders and influential people who you want in your corner that can advocate for you to get a particular job or to work on a project of interest. Unlike mentors, the relationship with these individuals is focused on future assignments and jobs that align with your career goals. Now, for those of you who have desires to advance into leadership and senior leadership, I really want to stress that these roles don't happen by accident and you don't just get lucky. It's not just about working hard. That is the baseline, but there's more to it. You have to perform. Remember, that is not a differentiator. Having a smart network around you 
is important that is going to set you apart, especially having champions. Just so we're clear on what a champion is, let me give you a definition. A champion is a senior leader who may or may not be in your organization, but has the influence to open doors and talk about you. Your champion sees the future version of you and your potential. It's important for you to have someone or a couple people who know what you are capable of and will talk about your capabilities in the circles that you cannot access yet. A couple more things on this. Champions have a vested interest in the process of helping develop people because they understand the need to nurture talent and recognize the importance of creating strong teams as part of their succession planning. Here's one other thing to keep in mind about a champion. They are only going to invest in upcoming talent that they believe deserve the opportunity because there is a risk for them. They are aligning their brand with the person they are championing. So they're going to choose very carefully before saying yes to being a champion for you. Let me share an example from my time working at GE in their aviation business. I was in a director level position and one of my champions was the CEO of our business unit, which was an organization that did about $700 million in annual revenue. Having someone like that as my champion was helpful because he could talk about me in other conversations, he could discuss my capabilities, and he could also share how I could continue to bring value in the organization in different capacities. So how do you create a championing relationship? Well, there are certain traits that are important to have in creating this. And I'm going deeper in this topic because I think it's important. And there's three C's in particular that I want to share. Credibility, confidence, and consistency. Credibility speaks to how well you do your job. Are you competent? This may seem like a rather simple question, but do you have all your bases covered and are you recognized as someone who does their job well? Do you get things done when you say you will to a high standard? It's the quality that's important too. If you're not sure about this, get some feedback from colleagues and then make sure you're addressing any gaps. Confidence and consistency, I believe, speak for themselves. Confidence is not cockiness. Confidence is, do you believe in your ability to figure things out and present yourself in a way that you can handle challenges and stretch assignments and you'll perform on those things? Like you have to have that confidence that you can do that in any situation. And then consistency. This one we've talked about so many times on the show. You have got to be consistent in how you show up and how you perform and also how you handle situations and how you lead. That's very important. Champions look for individuals who are well-regarded by their colleagues and peers. They also want to support someone who is consistent in their performance and their behavior. Remember that when a champion works with you, they are aligning their reputation with yours and they want some sort of assurance or thought in their mind that you are going to continue to build a trajectory of successful delivery. Think about it this way. Have you ever had someone reach out and ask you to help them get a job or to put in a good word for them? And in your mind, you're like, uh, no, I'm not putting my name on the line for you. Well, that in part is what this is like. You're asking them to put their reputation out there for you. They're only going to do that if they think that you're someone with high potential that is worth risking their reputation for. So keep that in mind when you look at who you might ask to be a champion for you as well. Sometimes people will just offer to be one, but if you're going to seek someone out, seek a person who you think knows of your capabilities, would have a good vision for where you are looking to go in your career, and would be comfortable talking about you in high regards to these higher level people. So I know I went into depth about champions, but again, I think it's very important. 
Now, another thing that I did to separate myself was I focused on actively growing my network. I shared in the other episodes some of the things that I did to get noticed by senior leadership, but it's not just about getting noticed by them. It's also about cultivating those relationships and others as well. For me, anytime I was in a training or at an employee resource group event or just an industry conference or function, I was always connecting with people. And let me emphasize that networking is not just about you. And it certainly isn't about, I want to network with this person because I want something from them. What networking is about and should center on is building quality relationships with people and looking at how you can serve them and if there are opportunities to also help each other. That service or helping might not be something that happens in the short term, but it's about fostering relationships and letting those blossom. And then when there is a time and a place for an opportunity to arise, then it will. And you have to cultivate these relationships. Again, it's not a one and done. Let me just connect with you. And that's it. Follow up, follow through on things, keep connected with these people. And something else I think COVID really taught us is the importance of being able to connect with others, not just face-to-face, but also online. So you don't have to just expand your network by going to a networking event or some conference or some event. Use platforms like LinkedIn to connect with people in your field, in your industry, and others you might want to learn and grow from. It could be people who have similar hobbies as you, but part of owning your game means you need to create a strong network. When you're looking to advance your career, who you know is important, who knows you is even more important, and it's all about timing. So cultivate those relationships. And I can't tell you how many people come up to me or tell me, sports-related or otherwise, wow, Jen, you know a lot of people. I get that from a lot of people who are influential in professional sports as well as in business, and they're impressed with my network. Well, that didn't just happen. I worked very hard to build that. The takeaway here is actively network and build out the circle of people that you want to know and that you want to know you. Now, if you're in a company that has employee resource groups, I would highly recommend that you join one or two or a few, whatever you align with and participate in those meetings and events. Get involved. That is a great way to build new relationships and to meet great people within your company. And if you decide to take on a leadership position in one of them, that also allows you to grow your network, but also to gain more exposure in your company and possibly outside too, depending on all the activities that you're involved with. Now, something else you can do outside of ERGs is you can get involved in industry associations or other professional groups that are external to the organization. So it's not just about the things that are internal to your company. One other thing that I did early in my career was I focused on the bigger picture. I didn't just look at my team and what we were responsible for, but how we fit into the larger organization. And I always made sure I included other stakeholders when it made sense so that we were all aligned. And also what that did was that minimized risks or issues down the road. By being proactive and inclusive, this streamlined operations and made some projects get completed faster. It also eliminated possible constraints that might have occurred down the road by including these organizations early and often. So in other words, I was always good at breaking down organizational silos and making sure that we weren't operating in our own stovepipe. Those terms might be common if you're in a larger company, smaller companies too. 
And in terms of owning my role, I also looked at how I could continue to bring added value to the company, not just to my organization or the program I was working on. So again, I was focusing on the bigger picture. For example, I looked at how I could leverage best practices from other parts of the company. How could we collaborate? How could we partner to do things that would allow us to introduce more products and services into the marketplace by working across business units or across programs? Because I had built a strong network internally, I was able to to reach out to other parts of the company to explore these options and possibilities. And sometimes if I didn't know someone in another part of the business, or I might've had an idea I wanted to flush out, I would tap into senior leaders and I would ask them to facilitate a connection for me. Don't be afraid to ask for help from your network too. As an example, on part one, I mentioned that one of my mentors had been the CEO of the Boeing company. It was Dennis Mullenberg. Dennis had been a mentor of mine for a number of years. And when I had ideas of things that I wanted to do with other parts of the business or to at least explore, or maybe it was to learn some best practices and lessons learned from another program. When we were looking to do something, again, don't reinvent the wheel, learn from people that have already done it. And so if I knew that there was another part of the business that had done something that I wanted to do, I would ask Dennis if he had anyone he could suggest that I contact. And Dennis was always great because he didn't just give me a name. He also would facilitate an introduction for me. And so by working on initiatives like this, what this ended up doing was I developed a strong reputation in the company as someone that was focused on bringing more value. So you see, I focused on not only leading my teams and subordinates to performing the tasks that were part of my scope of responsibility, but also I looked at how do I expand that to bring more value to the organization and to the company. And when you do that, that is when people take notice and they want to have you on the team because they know that you're looking to always be a big contributor. And that opened up doors for me as well. That's how I was able to continue to excel and advance at an accelerated rate in the company. So the takeaway for you again is don't just look at checking the box and performing your role and that's it. Look at how you can continue to bring additional value and that's when the magic happens. People will want you and you'll continue to advance in your career. Now, just like with part one, there are so many other things that I can discuss on what I did during my career. There is one more very important thing, though, that I want to share. This is a big one. It's the importance of treating people like human beings, showing that you genuinely care and that you are appreciative of them. Again, this seems so basic, but people miss this. And when you're showing that you care, it has to be genuine. That is so, so critical. Let me give you an example. I mean, I've ran engineering teams, business organizations, and more. And throughout my career, I would always express my thanks for the hard work that my teams had done. On the engineering side, we were working on demonstrating never-before-seen technical capabilities in military environments with multiple platforms that were high visibility, as an example. And when I mean high-vis, I mean high-vis. I had generals, admirals, members of Congress looking at what we were doing. In fact, I also had the Secretary of the Air Force come through during an exercise we were doing, and I got a coin from his office for the work my team had done. So again, lots of eyeballs on what we were doing. And every time we hit a challenging milestone, I made sure to let my team know how much I appreciated them. Whether it was a handwritten note or some sort of little thank you gift or an email where I was expressing my appreciation and I was copying the company executives and senior execs who were involved on the program. I mean, for me, it was just about letting people know that they were valued and it was sincere. Again, that is the key. As the saying goes, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, 
but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I was always someone that wanted other people to feel valued and appreciated. And that extended beyond my team. It could be the janitor. It could be an admin in my organization or the admin of a senior leader. It could be security people at the facility. Didn't matter. I always made them feel like I cared about them and it wasn't just about business. So please remember that at the end of the day, we are human beings and we want to know that other people care about us. And when people know that you care about them, they will do what they can to help you. They will go the extra mile. And so many people forget this basic step. I mean, it's it's so simple, but we're always so consumed on our business and meeting milestones and objectives that we forget about the human connection. I mean, just to share one other thing that I even do now is I'll send short voice notes to people, letting them know that I was thinking about them or just some, hey, just checking in. It makes people feel appreciated. So make sure you're being kind to others and just treating people as people. Get back to basics. Show them that you care. Express thanks for them being a part of your organization, showing compassion, taking a genuine an interest in their lives. All of those things are important. It's not just all about business. Again, I've said this, I know it sounds so basic, but so many people lose sight of this. And this really is a differentiator. But again, it's got to be authentic or people will see through it. Okay, those are the tips for today. Let's recap. First, you need to own your role. Embrace the role you have, even if you think you are beneath it. Own it, make it work, and focus on bringing value to the company. Other opportunities will come when the timing is right, but you got to knock it out of the park in the current role and bring value. Number two, in part one, I talked about getting mentors. You need those, but you also need champions, people who will see your potential and where you want to go and will mention your name and bring visibility to you in circles you don't have access to currently. Number three, Grow your network. This needs to be a part of your playbook. It is a must. Actively work on networking both in person and online. Networking is all about building quality relationships, not what the other person can do for you, especially in the short term. Network and cultivate those relationships. Number four, focus on the bigger picture, not just your role or your team's role. Look at how you can be more inclusive with other teams or stakeholders and how you can also bring additional value to the organization by being more strategic and not just in the weeds of your specific job and your day-to-day. Understand how you fit into the larger puzzle so you can be a more significant contributor. And if you don't quite know, that's a great conversation to have with your peers, your boss, or a mentor. And number five, remember, it's about humans first and business second. Respect people, be kind to them, genuinely care about others, and make sure people feel valued and appreciated. So there you go. Between part one and part two of this topic, I have given you 10 tips on how you can continue to differentiate yourself, separate yourself, and accelerate your career. These are based upon things that I did early on to set me on a quicker path to senior leadership. Again, as I said at the beginning of the show, I was in my 20s in senior leadership and my peers were in their 40s and 50s and sometimes 60s. I'm not saying this to brag, but to emphasize a point that I think I may have done a few things right to get there. And that's why I'm passing these on to you. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, there is a link in the show notes once again to help you find it and have a listen to that episode. Lastly, on this topic, I'm going to say how you show up matters. We know this. Life changes when you show up. And when you show up the right way, you're not going to just move the ball. You will dominate your game. So I'm challenging you to take a hard look at how are you showing up and what are you doing to help you advance in your career? 
Accelerating your career isn't about going on job boards and simply applying to new roles. There are a number of things you should be incorporating into your playbook and I've given you 10 of them between this episode and part one. If you found these tips valuable, I'd love for you to do two things for me. First, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to the show on. And second, share the show with just three other people that you think would find this show and this topic interesting. And just like on part one, I'm going to put a plug here since I've been getting a lot of feedback from people about the books in both Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. I give you some more tips to help you get going in your career. You can pick both of them up at my website, dominateandmove.com or online at Amazon. And yes, there are are links in the show notes for the books as well. The subtitle of Dominate the Game is How Life Changes When You Show Up. And in that book, there are lots of frameworks and things you should be doing so that you can be suiting up and showing up in a way that you are not just keeping that ball moving, but that you are dominating. So go check out the book. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. And I hope you start implementing these tips into your playbook. As I've said before, you are the quarterback and this is your game. So you've got to own it. You've got to take command, take charge, and you've got to drive that ball forward. You can always reach out to me on LinkedIn or go to my website, www.getinsidethehuddle.com and share your story with me. Let me know how these tips have helped you. All right, thanks again. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay. Until next time.